Hi, you're listening to Phoned In, Bomb Magazine's poetry reading by phone podcast. In this episode, we'll have a reading by Amy King. Amy King's latest, I Want to Make You Safe, was released by Litmus Press at the end of 2011. She is currently preparing a book of interviews with the poet Ron Padgett, co-edited Poets for Living Waters with Heidi Lynn Staples, and currently edits Esk Magazine with Anna Bozdjicevic. She also teaches English and creative writing at SUNY Nassau Community College. Amy founded and curated, from 2006, the Brooklyn-based reading series The Stain of Poetry until 2010. Visit her current site at amyking.org. I thought I'd start with a few poems from my book that just came out, I Want to Make You Safe. And the first poem is called Follow the Leader of My Silken Teeth. And suddenly art is a hand planted from the wrist down into the earth's epidermis. Its fingers sign their names with wind in pyramid skins harboring our pupils. We think we know things, animal shapes, the songs of undiscovered tribes, how to hold baby diamonds. Scratch the fur off, why? Read the delicate membranes of spirit guides. Pilfer dreams pockets. She didn't notice the tennis ball directly overhead, though. I also thought I saw the meadowland, clouds, a barn, the stratosphere, willow trees, and my mortgage in its yellow. Janet Cardiff walks the brain's halls, takes us on an urban safari, hopes losses piled on her glass-shaped bed. Her notes leave breadcrumbs for stigmata I pluck at. Ground emerges from my silken teeth. We rankle in the dunes and subject our thoughts to religion's aftermath. Dust becomes us, the hand that takes root, the horn-throated beetles, and the apple-black herons. We think we know things, pilfer the lint of dreams, uproot every yellow, follow stigmata for dust. We have always been the first fruit and the first to rot. We are the ones that read the signs after we bury them. And the next poem is called Men by the Lips of Women. <clears throat> Men by the Lips of Women. I'm in love with a man who doesn't love me with the pages of the book he sees from. He makes love through his syllabic ink, a salted thunder, leaves me to my own delirium tremens. I gouge out his eyes, break the yoke across his shoulders, disembowel the nectar from his liver. His toxins become a cherry blossom wine. He sounds in the brain's eagled hollows of a soft guitar from a Spanish cafe among the mountain peaks in nightshade. He cannot hide no matter how many goats he scares or biscuits he throws at the hunger. The mother of everyone calls him. His fright is an orb of hold me, I'm yours, crisp and curled with ages yellow, and the godless sunburn you love across your nose. I am that love you light yourself with, and my gender is powerless in this. We are metered only by our own machines, while the book is a clock that forgets her mechanics. Her hands can count but would rather wipe warm dew, the pall from your lips, and kiss the lids of your eyes from sleep. 
Here am I, is he, with yoke and shadow removed. She is, her and me, apart from you, man reading men by the lips of women. And then the vein of art, a poem called I Can't Go On, I'll Go On, which is, of course, a line from Beckett. I can't go on, I'll go on. I'm walking through a field. I see the swell of craggy trees, pot-bellied leaves, and open book, goose shit. Inside me is a landscape replica, a pompous map. A lantern swings in the distance, despite the porous wind. This baby takes over my steps, steps into my shoes, and I walk childlike among the grasses, echoing the earthworms, braying like donkey ears on actor's cue. A bicycle passes by these accidental burial grounds. Pineapples and tea roots never enter my mind. They remain adult remains, unable to vine into my baby head and heart. A child in the distance hands over a rotten token, invites me to the loop-de-loop. He wants to pass unnoticed, wants me to distract the barker with an adult head face. On initial imitation, I am learning a coastal folk dance with him while the child rides circles in the air between us. What once was glass could become a bread or the quivering crystal rabbit sitting on the table before us now. The stew bubbles midnight snack. My body becomes pregnant and physically alive. The child harbors inside. We are all fields, elk songs replete. I feed peanuts to goat-faced interlopers. We go for the hunt, me and the boy with antlers tied to our ears. The silent river nearby learns the ropes of favorite dance steps. Elderberries ripen their favorite positions, our last-minute call for shots of forest whiskey and deficient sap to nourish these limbs. The disintegrating lamb crawls out of the pot. Full from light and the river's abundant edges, we relax in the days next morning to play pigeon with the birds and rock for a pause. And I thought I'd read something a little political with a lowercase p called We Will Never Fully Recover. Because the light resembles marmalade, the zeitgeist dips gelatinous between our ribs and makes us speak. My sister is not gay. My daughter is not gay. I enjoy the war of this party. My husband's not gay. Myself is not gay. I will never be as important to you as your family. Please, more chips and aperitif. This gathering will be finger foods only, nothing more substantial to speak the appetite or test one's endurance with manners. I don't have a dog in this fight. My sister is post-gay only. I'm merely a gnat sans trench coat and a small bony space crossing letters out, the anti-Vanna White. Even if you don't remember, you sleep through memory nightly. You sleep through me and feel your Pinot Noir all the way back to Napa Valley because the total square root of heat is light that turns a grape into strains of bottled affection, I hold you close, stroke your estimations, even before the growls of this party deliver its host from the assumption of body, pull us into her white-hot affection, and whether we believe or only gesture the Eucharist, our sex goes gay for all objects in contact. My husband goes gay, his nipples get bothered, my brother is gay, he's a leg length in bathtubs, my grandmother's grave echoes with gay, her silky epitaph and flowers. Gay is the next procreation, save where the bombs and guns illuminate people, harnessed by fatigues and futures without pay, futures without gay, death in an imminent trigger. 
The unemployed also party less gay when fairies are unable to boot camp. That's a weird poem. <laughs> and here's another weird poem called One Bird Behind One Bird. <clears throat> Too bad about the plate, the shadow box, the twisted book. The universe conspired, a felony against your face in search of the tiny light that carves such things, a grand piano to play, a poor painting by Paul Stanley resembling the way I feel, instead, full of rhododendrons, half-rotten sweet. We walked through the dead cells twice, clubbed foot, until I had to concede, I'll call out sick, though sickness is ill. It's the still weeds of guilt I've been trained to feed with each yawn. Every ruffled stir I tamp down with glances at the working sky for any sign of a white moon sweet rot. I know it when I hear it, but did you see what I said? The moth of my words tattered, a harp banging at the bulb of this cold blossom forest. I bend on glass knee looking up. You are someone else too, when you want. We are one bird behind one bird, one bird behind one laughter, one breath behind one rib, one silence behind one handwritten mask. One scalp behind one spine, one dawn behind one skull opened by one bullet, one skin, not us, then another, with long bones reaching one question, the one certainty we know each other with, embarrassed or proud, snowed in or lullabied, skulls throughout. And uh, just two more. Um, uh, by the way, these last few are from a book called The B&All Book that... Um, deals a lot with uh, or responds to a lot of different art. And this one actually um, is kind of an odd ode to a poet named Larry Levis, mentioning also a few other people, Pierre Rivardi and George O'Keefe. It's called That I Will Listen To Until. I'm doing it again, conceiving my own grammar, avoiding the hard-boiled heads of lawmasters. Every time my own turns to thought, I make mono-matter for the masses I imagine will break the Shakespeare of just another day. This isn't to say I've got anything more than what's going for me, but let's not praise too soon the mighty men women aspire to. I take on my hunchback pack the menial jobs in a recession where others fear to kneel. Not to say those who hold back with macaroni and cheap nuts aren't inventing the new star splatter and the gaps of how this economy will go local post-Eliot soon, though. We may even go a-bartering again. Some do something ancient then. Remember the time he told me color comes alive at Carlsbad flower fields in a sea of stinking crisp flower blankets when the coastal hill becomes a handcrafted quilt? I had never been to California before. I didn't believe you until I read Larry Levis through the editorial page in the street, watched him pull up Revardy to his knees and pissed on the bed of green hay stitched around the hill's swollen ankles. This kind of working farm subsists because someone has refused to give up the practice of peyote and painting in New Mexico when New York City was supposed to be her only meal ticket, at least according to Stieglitz. She left there forever and found loneliness in the ancient wisdom called hope. Both remain pivotal arts to date. But back to how words go together. We met over the new tsunamis when people became much like the Black Plague numbers, except there were more expendables to date so no need to call up the old country poor to burn and lime the body count. We began discussing how to rid the hillsides of ash and bone fragments, as they were soon weighing the colors down and counting out Hollywood's insignia. Even the president's faces fell off. The Americans stood alone then on the global market, 
fishing for ways to get back the hatchets they once used at root. They, as in we, were considered contagions until the world wide web was torn asunder and barriers against nanobots improved. Our children's children echoed a nostalgia for concepts waning, half-drunk wine, smoky meats, and the symbolic gesture of touch. A place where men wear lime green pants, brimmed hats, and candy-striped pullovers. They protested, but God does exist as much as angels and plans patterned by the local neighborhood board to live the two kids, house dog, college dream, or any other golden fragment enlisted as the future who we will be then. We will be then, but before it happens, we keep happening now, in the limoncellos we sip, the late-night gut aches, the false handshakes over business economies, the difference between pianos played, apples eaten, and profits on paper. But we go better for the yellow fields rife with daisies that still exist, jeans that hint at splendor, the swell of an unplanned smile across a trading platform, how the herbs, how the herbs and grains still feel as ancient and right as when we on afternoons, go down to meet the sun at just the right angle, that space where we lose track of grammar and the cost of what it is to have not as much as the next town over, to bend closer and take in the way your bent arm smells in the long hot sun, opened by how the tiny soul fills out your skeleton with the warming sounds of blanket words that I will listen to until. And I thought I'd close with one last poem I recently wrote called Death is Always which is actually a little bit of a riff on um, a poem written by my partner, Anna Bozicevic, called Death is All. And her poem is far better. This poem doesn't compare. <laughs> but um, it kind of reflects a lot of the things I've been thinking about lately. It's called Death is Always. Turning my hair inside out, I only see Emma B. making sense of excess, making some something of it online via high fashion, which shouldn't be but is along with every other thing, both Uber and Central Pacific. Turns out the world is a big one. So this is where I am tonight, between bourbon and eggnog, thinking in laps about the exquisite gap of macro to micro evolutions, that is, relativity to quantum mechanics. And I don't know if string theory will tie us together as shuffled and promised, or if we ever will truly transport Spock-like. But I like the guy who keeps going at it, hacking away at the only game in town, not mine. I'm in the wilderness, undoing math from mechanics. Michio Kaku and Richard Dawkins should probably sit down over drinks, not coffee, in the inebriation way and have at it. And have at it. Symbiosis ensues, hatchets in and out, and we all get rowdy in their afterglow. Somehow I think this type of fire query this instigation of what gets roughed up, not in, not in the bar brawl frat fashion, in the fray of how we go next to each other without any truth or absolute might be beauty too. Picasso and da Vinci and Kahlo and Tanning ventured other routes, as did many others and still. The boat rocks on and gets moored, even sinks, but it all floats up in outer space, these giant rocks of glowing stars and asteroids exploding wormholes. The calculations look back at us, too, making out with the abyss that is also mute with questions, and laughs of guttural sound, song that sounds not unlike Britney Spears' mouthing till the world ends in the background. Even the theorists lean back to wonder what it's like to be the difference between what is heralded by prophecy versus what settles the corners of their own bedroom cushions. Not usually concerned with mass appeal or content, 
They admit to the occasional wilderness call, as easy as passing water or making more humans to live through. Much comes to those, much comes to those who can displace the public lust and place it back in their beds, though even in that we're uncertain as to just what. Which artist is it that explores exactly how bodies intersect and which ones attract in their distance? In this equation, we meet with other equations that resemble tattoos to astronauts looking up close from the distance of personal planets. Until our moons collide, when we speak the languages of foreign entities, we remain in orbit, camped up in our own gear, walking separate runways, lipsticked and watching others turn on high heel as we spin about toe-to-toe, quiet on our own. And if you want to actually read that, that's on the Rumpus recently. Thank you very much, Luke. You just heard Amy King read from I Want to Make You Safe. This was episode 16 of Phoned In. To listen to previous episodes, visit phonedin.org. The music was by the band World's Greatest Dad. Listen to World's Greatest Dad on Spotify or buy their new album on iTunes. For other podcasts, streaming video, web-exclusive interviews, and more, check out bombsite.com.